Welcome to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast, where we provide revolutionary training materials to individuals, healing practitioners, leaders, and influencers globally. Your kingdom destiny awaits, and it all begins with a mindset. Well, hello and welcome to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast. My name is Dr. Jessica Rothmeyer, and in today's episode, I will be discussing how fasting plays a crucial role in encountering God, encountering Him in ways that release miracles. Today's episode is part four of a six-part series on learning to reboot your mindset. Like your phone or laptop, sometimes a complete hard reboot is necessary to wipe out some of the unnecessary clutter and useless information, to make room for biblical truth, to set your mind on having a spiritual perspective on life once again. The idea of fasting is usually not a popular one. And as I have heard it discussed for years within different Christian circles, I've read many books and articles on the subject, and I've taught on it as part of helping my clients to have a kingdom mindset. I have been practicing the spiritual gift of fasting since I was a child. As a family, we would fast from sugar for the 40 days of Lent before Easter, as well as every Friday from meat. Then as I began to mature in my own faith, I would choose to fast additionally, sometimes choosing to just skip one meal during the day, or sometimes I would fast for one to three days, liquids only. And other times I would fast from specific things like television or spending time on my phone. Because I have taught in depth on fasting and I have benefited from the fruit of it in my own life, as well as witnessed the breakthroughs and miracles experienced by hundreds of my clients, I cannot teach on healing the mind without sharing the important role that fasting is to have in the life of a Christian. I think the first place I would like to start is a revelation that I didn't have until years into my own fasting journey, and it was only through studying this subject in the Bible and the Holy Spirit and how he was beginning to teach me this, the difference between fasting in the Old Testament and fasting in the New Testament under the new covenant of Jesus. In the Old Testament, people experienced God externally. They witnessed his wrath and his blessings. They knew that God's presence was a miracle, and often only the holiest of men and women actually talked to or heard God's voice. Eventually, God's presence was only found in the tabernacle, and then years later in the temple. And the only mandated fasting in the Old Testament was once a year on the Day of Atonement, But there were other times that we can read about that the people of God fasted, such as when Moses was on Mount Sinai before he received the Ten Commandments, he fasted. Esther asked her people to fast three days before she knew she was going to go before the king, a decision that would secure the future of the Jewish people. And many Christians are familiar with the three weeks that Daniel fasted, before there was great breakthrough in the spiritual realm and he was given great revelation about the future. So we might surmise that during Old Testament times, fasting preceded or was some type of spiritual conduit for a great move of God to happen, which will also be true in the New Testament. But there were also times in the Old Testament where fasting took place and it was out of mourning From both books of Samuel, to the Psalms, to the book of Ezra, we are given examples of people fasting out of their grief and mourning. 
This point is important as I now transition to how fasting was addressed in the New Testament, particularly by Jesus. Before Jesus, people did not have the righteousness to live in direct relationship with him or Father God, and the Holy Spirit was not yet imparted to every believer like we have today. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, we became the dwelling place of God, and now the presence of God is experienced internally rather than externally by believers. I explain this to set up these next two verses. The disciples of John the Baptist came and challenged Jesus in Matthew 9, verses 14 through 15, by saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus' answer tells us so much about why we are instructed to fast under the new covenant. The disciples of Jesus did not fast because they were with him physically. But Jesus explains that once he leaves their physical presence, that then they would fast as a way of being close with him once again. The primary reason to fast is to experience God on a more tangible level. It is a way to regain spiritual focus by silencing our flesh and carving away the distractions of this world. Fasting can highlight the areas that can be otherwise hidden or masked by our daily efforts to live a good Christian life, quote unquote. Nowhere in the New Testament is fasting mandated. Because Jesus became the atonement for our sins, so Christians no longer need it to do so once a year as those of the Old Testament. And every type of fasting that is mentioned, even by Jesus in the New Testament, is more about the conditioning of one's heart rather than it being used as a spiritual practice, one that would be required in order to be right before God. And fasting is certainly not to be looked at as some spiritual weapon to convince God to give us what we want or what we are praying for. Using fasting as a way to manipulate God into answering your prayers or to believe you become spiritually wiser or have spiritual authority or power by fasting is not biblical, and it will lead you down a dark path of pride. Fasting is purely for the purpose of drawing near to Jesus, to cleanse your heart, to tame your flesh, and to encounter the tangible presence of an almighty God. Now, the beautiful spiritual truth is that in his presence, breakthroughs, miracles, and healings happen. But that cannot be your motivation. Simply experiencing more of who Jesus is must be your only agenda. This will keep you in a posture of humility and proper reverence before the Lord. Jesus teaches about this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, when he addresses how the Pharisees continue to behave in Old Testament ways, having a look of mourning or grief on their face and wanting everyone around them to notice that they are fasting drawing attention to themselves to perhaps receive accolades for how holy they were because of it. But Jesus says, Now whenever you fast, do not make a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they distort their faces so that they will be noticed by people when they are fasting. 
Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus is teaching us that fasting is actually meant to be done in private, in secret even, so that it is not something you are doing to be noticed by other people. Fasting is not meant to be a banner or a sign for what a great Christian you are. I know there are many churches or even prayer movements that have called for corporate fasts. And although I do support this and have seen great fruit come from these practices, I take the words of Jesus very seriously. That if we tell others that we are fasting or choose to fast within a larger group, that your fast is wholeheartedly onto God alone. And that we are to be joyful during our time of fasting. And if we do choose to do so corporately, that we would build each other up and encourage one another to press in for more of God's presence. Again, not having an expectation or a demand on God to do whatever might be the desired outcome or the intentions of that particular group of people. God wants us to pray and he hears our prayers, but his greatest concern above all else is our hearts. Scripture confirms this in every facet of kingdom living. And just as Jesus states, the reward for fasting in secret will happen between you and the Father in secret. These verses are part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, where he is teaching the people about the ways of the kingdom and how different they are from the ways of the world or even the ways of practicing faith before he came to earth. And throughout this teaching, Jesus focuses on the inner man, the heart, the mind, and how humankind must adjust and align themselves to come under his government, preparing them to think and operate within a new kingdom that will be established once he dies on the cross and is resurrected, changing history forever. If the key to experiencing a greater manifestation of Jesus is to fast, then we must admit that our human flesh is a problem. With all of its desires and cravings, it can keep us from experiencing all that God wants to release to us. So these times of going without food, without your phone, fasting from playing video games, or choosing to go on a silent retreat, choosing to fast from anything or anyone who would be a distraction from having Jesus as your greatest focus. These times are meant to bring you freedom, to heal your mind, your body, and to realign your mindset and heart with that of the fathers. I think Romans chapter 8 verse 5 describes this spiritual truth best. As I study and teach on the importance of choosing to set our minds on the kingdom, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And so, through the act of fasting, it is always quite revealing when we choose to withhold that which our flesh desires, and then the true bondage of this world is revealed. But then, it gives you the opportunity to set your mind on what the Spirit desires, what God is saying. It can be painful, but always liberating.
And then, twice in the book of Acts, it refers to the apostles praying and fasting before making decisions, before sending people out to be disciples. This is because, again, fasting helps to carve away distractions so that we, as human beings, can clearly hear and discern the voice of God. It is not that the fasting itself releases more wisdom. Rather, it is making a way in our human flesh to hear from our Father. Because like Jesus, we only want to do what we see or hear our Father in heaven doing. Then, probably one of the most controversial and argued scriptures that refer to fasting is in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, and Matthew 17, 19 through 21, in which there was a boy with an unclean spirit that the disciples could not cast out. But when Jesus came along, he was able to heal the boy easily. When the disciples asked why they could not cast it out, in the Gospel of Mark, it says Jesus explained that this kind can only be driven out by prayer. And some translations add prayer and fasting, although most of our modern versions say only by prayer. And then in Matthew 17, Jesus says it's because of their lack of faith. And he goes on to give the example of the mustard seed. And then in verse 21, again in some translations, it says that it, is, it also requires prayer and fasting. But other versions leave this verse off completely. Many people, including myself, who want to learn the biblical truth about healing and obey the instructions of Jesus, have to take into consideration why these phrases might be left out or dismissed. Why did Jesus mention fasting here in this situation, especially since we have already established that Jesus told his disciples not to fast as long as he was in their presence? I believe the truth returns to this fact. Healing power comes from the presence of God. And in that moment, Jesus neither fasted nor prayed. So what did Jesus do right before performing this miracle? He was spending quiet alone time on a high mountain with God. Was he fasting? Perhaps it does not say, but it was this alone intense time of prayer where he was transfigured, reflecting white light, glowing with the presence of the Lord. And it was directly after this incident that the boy was healed by Jesus. And I think the most powerful aspect of this is for us as modern day disciples, that in our preparation for ministry, healing and intercession, we need to bask in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes, depending on our heart or the condition of our flesh, fasting will be required in order that you might truly encounter God's presence. And then if people are not healed, set free, or your prayers are not answered, that we would do what the disciples did and pull Jesus aside and ask him, what are we missing? So if fasting is no longer religiously mandated and it's not a way to gain spiritual authority or power, and it's not necessarily a sign of Christian maturity or righteousness, and fasting is not even mentioned outside of the four gospels in the book of Acts, do we even need to fast? What evidence is there that we should fast? Well, as we read in Matthew chapter 6, 16, Jesus began by saying, when you fast, 
So that is making an assumption that fasting is something that will continue. Here in this situation, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus needed to simply recalibrate for the crowds the right posture of their hearts, a release of kingdom perspective, so they knew how to fast in a godly way. And in the first passage I gave you, Jesus said his disciples, which is who we are even today, would fast when he was gone from their physical presence, and that they would do so until he returns. Then there will be no fasting, only feasting. Which brings me to an interesting point. Those who have tried to argue certain aspects of fasting with different opinions as to what fasting is meant to accomplish, some people give the example of Esther, Daniel, and even Jesus's time in the desert as examples of how when people fast, they are given greater spiritual authority that it was the fasting that somehow released a power to shift their circumstances or even prepared them for a greater calling. And perhaps there is some truth in all of those statements. But here is what I think is particularly interesting. Jesus was the Son of God, and he had every spiritual power and authority because of his relationship to the Father. In fact, In these verses about Jesus spending time in the desert, some observations of early biblical manuscripts argue over this word fasted that is used, that it was more likely to have meant he went without food because he was alone in the desert. Was it truly an intentional religious gesture by Jesus to go without food or simply because of his circumstances? Either way, the greater message that was being told was that this was a demonstration of Jesus being led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And similar to the Israelites, his 40 days instead of their 40 years, Jesus passed the test and he defeated Satan by decreeing the powerful words of his father. And after his 40 days in the desert, nowhere in scripture does it say that Jesus fasted again. In fact, There is only the scripture that I gave earlier of being questioned why he and his disciples did not fast. And if fasting was a sign of preparation for difficult situations or a spiritual gateway for more authority, power, or even spiritual strength, then why did Jesus not fast before his crucifixion? Instead, he feasted with his disciples as a foreshadowing of the celebration we will have with him someday at the marriage feast when the bridegroom returns to be united with his bride once and for all. I have shared this teaching with many people who have been raised under religious or legalistic doctrines and witnessed them experience great deliverance and freedom from unbiblical beliefs. When you are walking with a contrite and submitted heart to the Lord, there will be times in which you are just so hungry for more of his presence. Isn't that ironic? (laughs) That the more of him and his word that we consume, the more hungry we become. An insatiable longing to discover more attributes of his goodness, to receive more of his gracious and healing love. And so it will be these desires that will lead you into times of fasting. I encourage you to be alert to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and to be discerning of these times of fasting. 
They should be spirit-led because then you will have the grace to complete it. If you are angry, irritable, and treating the people around you poorly, I don't think it's God's timing. He wants to increase his presence during your times of fasting. Jesus says to anoint your head with oil and exhibit an attitude and an appearance that no one would even know that you're fasting. And the fruit of your fast should always be a greater outpouring of God's love, grace, and mercy onto everyone else around you, as you are now full and to the brim with him, the bread of life. Learning to discern when to fast is about partnering with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to lead. If there is something especially difficult that you are grieving or if you're suffering emotionally, fasting during a time of an already weakened condition might not be the answer. In fact, it could lead you to just be unkind to others or to even cause you to backslide in your faith if the fast does not accomplish what you had hoped it would because your heart was not in the right place. Please know, during these severely difficult times of life, Jesus is already close to you. In fact, it is when he is the most present, as he is close to the brokenhearted and saves those crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. And then there will be other times when you are just feeling weary, and instead of a fast, Jesus will call you to recline at his table to lay upon his chest like the disciple John did, and to indulge in feasting upon him. Sometimes people are in need of a Jesus feast more than a fast. To be steeped in the words of scripture, to soak in worship songs only about Jesus, and to simply be at rest, allowing him to carry your burdens, to heal you, to fight for you, and to set you once again on the firm foundation of his love. I would encourage you to not fast ritually or to get something from God. Rather, feed your spiritual hunger often, and the Holy Spirit will gently and strategically lead you into effective times of fasting. And if there is some part of you in need of healing, if you are contending for a breakthrough, or interceding for something or someone, even for the nations, or if you are looking for direction in your life to clearly hear the Father's voice. It is only in the secret place, undistracted and spiritually connected to him, that the one true provider will give you all that you need. Let this be the reason that you fast. Join me next week as I bring you part five of this series and discuss how to use the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues to help reboot your mindset and bring spiritual realignment to your life in significant ways. Until then, be blessed in your mind and in your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today's teaching, I would invite you to subscribe to the show and share it with others to bring healing and transformation to the lives of those around you.